home. And so I read this book cover to cover and I did everything that it asked me to do. I looked at all of my non-negotiable payments and I did a bit of rough division and worked out how much they needed each fortnight and I set up regular payments. So every time the pay came in, every single bill went out every single fortnight and everything was allocated and what was left over we lived on. Uh, and I worked out you know, where we were leaking and plugged up the holes and I worked out what things that we could live on and the other things we put aside for a season and we actually um, kind of readjusted a little bit. And it was really helpful. And one of the guys here that I was working with at the time said, yeah, this is a really good system, we work with it, but it is missing something really important. It's missing generosity. And so he encouraged me to include generosity in it, so I added one more payment to come in to go out every fortnight, as soon as the pay came in, a little amount went out into an account that I specifically named generosity. And that generosity account was for whenever I felt prompted to just give something or to support a cause or to help somebody out or to solve an issue that I saw around me. Just a really small amount just going into that account every time called generosity. And it was, it was really good. A few months later, and I hope this doesn't seem like bragging because later you'll discover just how average I am. But a few months later, uh, I was having a conversation with my son, Jack, and he was a bit sad because his bestie at school wasn't able to go on camp. Camp was going to cost too much and he wasn't able to come and Jack was disappointed for him and for himself. Uh, and so I said to Jack, well, actually, I've been doing this thing called the Barefoot Investor and one of the things that I've done is I've put this little amount of money into this generosity account. Do you think that maybe we should use the money that's in there to help your friend go to camp? And Jack's like, yeah, absolutely, how good would that be? So I rang the school and I said, I really want to do this anonymously, but we want to pay for this particular kid to go to this particular camp. And the school said, you can't do it anonymously. I'm like, oh. well, we want to do it anyway. So they said, you can't do it anonymously because it's not fair on that family to not know who's you know, giving the money. So I said, fine, if they ask, then let them know. But we, we put the money into the account and by all accounts, it was a fabulous camp. They had a marvellous time and it was really, really great. And Jack and I felt really, really good about ourselves. There's your free financial advice for the morning. That's, uh, I feel like I should have like a disclaimer. You know, this financial is general in nature and you should consult your financial whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that is actually just some good life wisdom. Just some good average run-of-the-mill life wisdom about how to manage your finances. Distribute where it needs to go beforehand, live on what's left, blah, 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 blah. It's just good wisdom. Now I'd like to speak to you about something deeper, about something higher, something wider, something much more earth-shattering, something transformational, something really, really different. It's called Jesus economics or kingdom economics, the way in which Jesus would do it. So we've been thinking about this topic of quietly loud, thinking about how do we posture ourselves in the world today, standing really firmly on our convictions and what we believe and what we know about God and Jesus and life and what he's doing in the world, but having a really humble, quiet, generous, invitational posture as we do it, quietly loud. Does that make sense? And today we're having a look at two little passages that go one after the other, and it's Luke 20, 45 to 47, and immediately after that, Luke 23, 1 to 4. So if you want to look it up or follow along or 
um, open an app on your phone, then you're welcome to. I won't know if you're taking like my financial advice down or reading the Bible. It won't really matter. So in this particular passage, Jesus, he, he has entered Jerusalem. You know that, that whole like he's done all of these different things and he's got his, his eye just heading towards Jerusalem. He's actually made his way into Jerusalem, that moment that we celebrate in the lead up to Easter um, where he rides a donkey and he enters into Jerusalem and they lay down the palm fronts. He's in, he's in Jerusalem and he's been teaching regularly in the temple and there's this particular moment on a particular day when Jesus is observing He's got some of his followers with him, some of his disciples, and they're learning from him and they're listening, and he's watching a scene unfold. And he's like, guys, 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 he's talking sideways to them because he's watching intently. He's watching a scene unfold. So it's a busy temple. There's people coming and going, and they're all making offerings and busy doing their things. There's scribes, and they're wearing their fancy outfits and doing all their things. And this is what it says. Let's move this out of the way so I can actually see what it says. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. And they have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses. And for show, they make lengthy prayers. So these teachers of the law or scribes that you, they were called as well, their job was to, um, to learn and to understand the law. And so when people came to them and said, what should I do? How should I live in this setting? How should I deal with this situation? What do I need to do here? The scribes or the teachers of the law would look at the law and would give advice on what does the law say for your situation? And the really key thing about these guys is they were not supposed to take money for teaching the law. They weren't supposed to like, you know, get paid, you know, transactionally for what they were doing. But let's be honest, there is nothing wrong with asking people to give a generous gift uh, based on merit every time we give some, I think that's what they were doing. They were doing some not very uh, good things in that situation. The passage goes on. As Jesus looked up, He saw rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury and he saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, this poor woman has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had. All she had. As the rich people are putting in their offerings, I want you to imagine the scene. Jesus is looking and he's talking to his disciples and he's like, watch this, look at that, look at that. They're all giving, see how they're giving? And they're giving, they're probably giving like, oh, this amount of money, shall I drop it in here? Plop, plop, you know, like they were being overt about the way in which they were giving their offerings. And and I imagine like a, a small woman comes in She's probably got to weave her way between all the people in their long flowing robes, prancing about, doing their thing. They probably don't even notice her. She drops her two little coins in, pling, pling, and she scurries off. And Jesus says, oh, did you see that? Do you see that? See this? He's saying to his disciples, don't miss this. He's inviting his followers 
to compare and contrast. See what they're doing? See what she did. Did you see that? Don't miss it. But I don't want you to, to miss that there are two different mentions of widows. In the first little bit, and there's another one in the second little bit. In this first one, Jesus is talking about how, you know, they were um, long-winded prayers and prancing about and loved to be greeted and honoured and all of these things. And then he says this really full-on devastating sentence. They devour widows' houses. That's pretty full-on. They devour widows' houses. They were doing something that caused widows to suffer loss. And widows were the, um, were the poorest group, the most ostracized, like the most um, defenseless group in society. And he's saying they devour widows' houses. So I, we don't actually know what they were doing that was devouring of widows' houses. It may well be that um, they were taking illegal fees for the work that they were doing in giving advice about the law, or they may have actually been taking um, like the deeds of, of widows' houses as like payment for debts they knew that could never be paid back. Or maybe they were actually involved in the kind of the legal settlement of widows' estates and, and creaming way too much off the top. We don't know, but Jesus says, see them? They devour widows' houses. And in the second one, Luke uses the words, a poor widow. Now, it's almost sort of stupid saying a poor widow because a widow was poor then. She had no one to provide for her financially. She had no means. She couldn't, she couldn't you know, work and earn a living and do all those different things. She was poor by nature. So why say, it was like saying she's a poor, poor person or saying like, oh, there's a rich billionaire. It, it doesn't make sense, but it's because Paul's trying to emphasise her state. She's, he's emphasising her state. So she comes in and she drops her two little coins in, and she keeps going. Jesus is actually inviting his followers and us, as Luke writes the story for, for him, about him, to enter into a new system of economics, a new understanding of how things should be valued, a kingdom economics. So he takes their large offering and compares it to her teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny little offering. It would be a bit like if this, and yes, I'll share it later, if this amazing um, lot of chocolate was the wealth of one of the scribes, and that scribe said, I'll offer a whole bar, and drops it in. And the widow comes in just with two like you can't even see them from the back row. Two tiny little buds and she drops hers in. And Jesus says, hers was worth more. That totally doesn't make sense. If I were to share these around today, which one will, which one will go further? <coughs> this one will definitely go further. He's, it doesn't make sense what he's saying is that she's offered more. In fact, he's saying she's offered more than all of them put together. She's offered more. I'll share my chocolate later. 
He's asking us to think about a different way of weighing them up. He says this, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. So the question is, is he calculating it perhaps not based on what they did give, but based on what they didn't give? Because there, there was a lot more that the scribes and Pharisees didn't give. There was loads. And there was nothing. She gave all. That's what the passage says. She gave all she had. <clears throat> so is he calculating it based on what they didn't give? Don't know. I wonder if he was leaning in a little bit and grieving the fact that she was giving. Like, it shouldn't have been that way. It shouldn't, she shouldn't have given her last two coins. Really, should she? This seems wrong. The, the world has done a beautiful job of selling us the notion that if we build our nest egg and get all the stuff that we need and all the comforts that we need, then there'll come a time when we can be generous. That's what the world tells us, by and large. Everywhere you go, no matter what you do, that's what we're told. Get enough, and then when you've got enough, you can be generous. Unfortunately, the reality is there will never be enough. That is not how we work. That is not how the world works. There will always be something more that we haven't got or that we believe we need. The world sold us that and Jesus is coming in and saying, that is not how it works. That is not how it should work and it does not work. And he looked at that widow and the way in which she gave and I wonder if he grieved. So my barefoot investor insights that I adopted, excuse me, I'm going to cough. Thank you, snappy, snappy work. Um, my barefoot investor insights were good. They, they gave me a solid foundation. It worked. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy, but it works. And, and I have control. I have great control over it all. But what I realised was I was actually just buying back into what the world was selling, is once you've got all your control and got it all in order, then maybe, maybe there'll come a time when you're able to be generous. And, and I, I felt incredibly challenged, the fact that I was giving only out of my abundance. And that's not what Jesus asked. So about the same time that I was reading this book, I had um, a bit of a visual image of myself, and I may have shared this before, but the visual image of, was of me kind of like hanging off, off a cliff. It probably says a lot about how I was going at the time, but hanging off a cliff. And I had one hand firmly on like a, a hand hold of my faith, of God and Jesus and who I was and who he said I was, and I had that, and it was, and I was holding that tight. But the other one I had been using to hold on to finances or identity or, you know, how appearances, whatever those things were that I was holding on to. And at that season of my life, this handhold had gone. And I found myself just hanging on by one arm going, like, where's the handholds? And at that time, it occurred to me that I could either do this for the rest of my life or I could actually swing over and grab this one with both hands. Well, I'd love to say that that's what I did. 
you know, the idea of swinging over or just scrambling and grabbing because, you know, even in reality, I was probably oversharing, checking my bank account 10 times a day. I'd open up the little app, I'd just check it through, yep, put it away, go and do something else, come back, check it through, have a look, come back. You know, it, it had become like a habit where I was like, I was just scrambling to try and hold on to something else when actually this was my smarter handhold. The Pharisees in the temple that day, they were being loudly, loudly. They were clanging in their offerings and swanning about and praying wonderfully long prayers that had no substance at all. And the way I was living was probably quietly, quietly. There was not a deep sense of trust. There wasn't a strong foundation in how I was living. It was quietly, quietly. But when I look at that widow, when Jesus says, watch her, look at what's happening here, and he invites them to consider her. I think that while he laments that she's doing this, he's saying, that is quietly loud. They say money talks. Well, when she dropped those two coins in, it spoke volumes about the state of her heart. <clears throat> Jesus came to upturn the system and to inaugurate a new economic value system so that the poor widow could give and still have enough. She could give everything she needed to and wanted to give and still have enough. He needed to upturn that system so that she would no longer be the poor widow. Scrap all that. Perhaps it's not about the gift at all. Perhaps it's got nothing to do with what they did or didn't give. Perhaps it's got nothing to do with that because reality is, is God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It says so in Proverbs. And he probably knows every um, vein of gold that runs under every hill. He has no need of, of our things. He has all the wealth, all in his hands. And yet he invites us to participate with him and join him in the work that he's doing in turning on its head the economics of the world. <clears throat> What I would have loved if I was in charge of writing this scene, and of course it's not who's in charge of writing the scene, Luke is writing an account of what happened. But if I was in charge, at some point I would have Jesus race down and say, stop, 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 stop. You don't have to give your last two coins. You don't have to. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Or you know, if he didn't do that, like what I'd love is for him to come up to her afterwards and say, I saw that offering, you know, that was amazing. You will never want for anything ever again. But he didn't. He didn't. And it's because she's not the object of the lesson. He is. Jesus is the exemplar. She is not the exemplar in this. Yes, it's lovely to look at her and go, That's, that, was, that was great what she did and that wasn't great what they were doing. But Jesus is the exemplar that we need to be looking at. I guess what I don't want you to hear in my sharing of my own stuff is that I am by any means the poor in this scenario. I am not. I am the Pharisee. I, you know, I have an abundance. 
Um, and for those of you listening to me saying, oh, it's all well and good to, you know, chip out all your money to all your various bills and have something left to live on, you know, that's, oh, if only. For those of you who are listening to that, I go, yeah, I get it. I've got no idea. It's so hard. It's not fair. It's not right. It's not how it should be. And I think Jesus leans in and says, yes, it's not right. It's not fair. It's not how it should be. That's why I came. I think that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, this is why I came to put the world to rights. Because God was the most generous giver. He is the exemplar in this story. The woman is to be admired, lamented and admired, but God is the great example. Uh, Philippians 2.7 says that he took off the riches of heaven to come and be human. He, he in heaven who owned everything in all abundance took off all of it and stepped into humanity. And then when he was stepped into humanity, he took off even more. And at the cross, he was stripped of everything. And then at the very last minute on the cross, he said, and I give it all. He gave it all. He gave everything he had to turn the system around, to change things, to inaugurate the beginning of a different way of being the kingdom of God. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 8, 12 to 14. And I just want this to be here so that nobody hears me say, when you're poor, you give it all. That's, that's not what this story is about. 2 Corinthians 18. So Paul, different guy to Luke, He's writing to people who've, who've got enough and inviting them to give to the work that's happening in another town, in another place. So he's writing them and he said, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there sh sorry did I miss a bit I only mean that there should be some equality right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it this is the way sorry in this way things will be equal that's what Jesus was championing that's what he was saying this is what it's all about and Jesus was the great exemplar of that he's calling us to posture ourselves as imitators of Christ. So there was this beautiful, um, <clears throat> beautiful Cabri ad. You may have seen it before. I think we've shown it here before, but a beautiful Cabri ad um, where a little girl goes into a shop. And I'm just going to show some excerpts from it rather than play the ad just for the live stream. So she goes into a shop and uh, she looks at the shopkeeper and she says, I'd like a block of chocolate. And out of her little purse, do you remember this ad? She pulls like four little buttons and a little plastic ring and then she looks at her favourite little flying unicorn pony and she puts it up on there. Even the dog's sad. Um, you know, like, and she puts it up on the thing and the, the shopkeeper has this moment 
he looks. And he, had, he could go two ways. He could go, oh, how ridiculous. You know, get out of here, you silly, you know, and he could have made her feel small and useless and stupid and disappointed, but he didn't. He looked and he probably had that moment, that, that half a second in between a breath. And he nodded and he took her gifts in kind and he even gave her the little pony back as change and she went outside and she said, happy birthday, mummy. You know, what a beautiful story. And for me, that beautifully um, is a beautiful example of the kind of kingdom economics that Jesus is looking for in us. He was running a business. He can't give away chocolate every single day. He can't. It doesn't make sense. But in that moment, her dignity was at stake in front of him and he had a choice to choose generosity and to choose to act in that way. I wonder what it would look like if we chose generosity, if we chose to embrace more fully this upside-down, inside-out kingdom economics. Steve, I wonder if you might come up. I'm just going to ask Steve a couple of questions. You've got to bring your microphone from under Cindy there. Steve um, looks after all of, all of our various different bits and pieces around here. Um, but one of the things that you look after is our partnership fund. Do you want to tell us what is the partnership fund and give us a few examples of how we've used it? Yeah, well, it's my privilege to sort of oversee it, but there are four people uh, in our church family nominated by the church council who actually uh, vet the request. But what it is, it's a, a bucket of money that we put aside in the budget every year. Um, and in the probably 15 years that I can remember, it's been between 9000 and 18000 per year in a fund. So that uh, when you, um, as a, a part of New Community are prompted by God in a, in a personal way to, to see a need and to respond to it, just like Vaughn talked about responding to a, a camp fee. If you couldn't pay that camp fee but you thought that would be something fantastic for somebody who really needed it, uh, then you can fill out a form and ask for some funds for that. And it'll be vetted and then usually responded to very quickly. And the criteria are, are that the, the project has sort of a, a meaningful, you know, kingdom agenda. This is the sort of thing that Jesus would be really pleased with. Um, and that you'd have a relational connection, perhaps in an ongoing way, with the person uh, that the money is being given to. Just let me give you some examples of what's happened probably in the last 12 months or so. And there's been numerous, but these are just some. We were able to give rent assistance, a month's rent for a, a work colleague of one of our young mums. And the young lady was a single mum with two small boys. She was on a new work contract, so she didn't have any leave. And she'd had to have a month off work, unable to work, because she was caring for a sister who'd been in hospital for 100 days or something like that. Um, and so she was, uh, we were able to pay a whole month's rent for this. And it just totally changed her, mm. her situation. And uh, she was just overcome with emotion at the thought that, that somebody actually would reach out to her and help her. So it's a... It's a a double benefit. The person who's uh, on behalf gets a, a, an enormous um, benefit by being able to do it, but also from New Community's point of view and the church's point of view uh, in a wider way, uh, people say, okay, the church actually cares. Um, there was one lady at Heal Clinic and she wanted to sell her car, but it needed work before she sold it. And there was about $1,000 worth of work. And she said, oh, I, when I sell the car, I'd like to 
to give it back. And we said, well, maybe we give you half of what it costs and you pay back the half. So we, we put our $1,070 or something like that out and when the car was repaired, she, she paid us back 535 on the on the dot. But she was also just so thankful that that could be done. Uh, house cleaning and gardening, this is what somebody wrote on their request. I'm seeking funding for financial support for one-off house cleaning and gardening. gardening. My friend is a survivor of family violence and is forced to sell her home to make ends meet for herself and her children. I've been prompted to show God's love without strings to my friend who believes that anything someone does for someone has strings attached, especially the Christian church. And so um, we were able to just provide that. It wasn't an enormous amount of money, under $1,000, and it meant that the, the house could be tidied up and uh, cleaned, ready for sale. Uh, some of the smaller things, people will apply for groceries, maybe a couple of weeks of groceries for a needy family. Um, we paid the gas and electricity bills in arrears uh, for a single mum, uh, something like $700. And, and just finally one more, um, a single mum who just moved to, to Victoria, um, we were able to support her course fees to start a new career um, and, and that was just an amazing thing for her. She said, thank you so much again for your kindness and generosity and to the rest of the church, everyone involved. Uh, this is truly amazing. So it's a, a wonderful way, if you couldn't afford to help a person in a particular way but you believe we could as a church, um, there's a, a little form, I think I've got some here, it looks a bit like this, and there's on the tables at the side, and just a few little questions to answer on the back about the project. We might ask you some more questions if it's a bit unsure, um, but usually they're responded to pretty quick. So thanks, Vaughan. Mm, thanks, Steve. So just an example of like, you know, how, you know, these things make a massive difference. Little things make a really big difference, and what would it look like if we entered into a Jesus kind of economics? I've got a video that I want you to watch. We normally sort of do these things in the other way around, an interview at the start or the video at the start, but I just really thought that they would be helpful for us to consider what is Jesus doing in the world and what might our part be? And I wonder if God speaks to you through this. You were speaking Egyptian. There. We had to leave Bethlehem when I was two years old because of Herod. He... You lived in Bethlehem? During the massacre of the innocents? I did. I know the story. Herod had every child in the area under the age of two killed. Yes. But it was very sad. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you cannot. This disease, you can't. Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
رنگ است Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. Uh, but what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> God is at work in this world. Jesus is transforming lives and transforming people and he invites us to participate. And he says when someone needs a tunic, you give yours. That's what it means to give. As the band comes up, I just wonder if we might have a bit of a think about what, what is it for us today? Is it, is it that God is asking us to reconsider you know, where we place our trust? Do you need to swing over a handhold Trust me, it is not that easy. I swing it, and then I swing it back, and then I swing it, and then I swing it back, and I panic, and I, all of those things. But, but he's working in me, and he's changing me day by day, year by year, week by week, and he's transforming me. I've moved my banking app so that I have to click four other things to get to a tiny little box where it's in and open it. You know, just because I need to reorient my trust swing my hand over and trust God and, and participate with him in the abundance um, of what he's doing out of everything I've got because he gave it all. What a beautiful name.